0: If you can find
1: today, I went by to the
2: place
1: where I used to go, and I saw the same old crowd. His rough life what he saw and I and I reflected and I shared the same thing. Started telling him about my father. But then he was saying he had he, he gave his children a good opportunity, gave them education, took them out of that part of town. And he hopes that they would remember him and his wife for what they've done. And it just before I knew it I said but it doesn't change the heart. It doesn't change the heart and i'm reflecting back to my parents then i'm reflecting back to me see calvary changed everything praise god it changed everything it gives me hope it gives me peace it gives me joy it gives me strength it changed my life well glory to god praise god he lives forever he never changes and i can't get that out i've heard that about a, two weeks ago god's the same yesterday today and forever that means healing Deliverance, saving power. He changes lives. Well, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's real. Praise God. That I went back to the place where I used to go and I saw the same old crowd that I used to know. And when they asked me what had happened, I tried to tell
2: them, well, praise God. I ain't
3: came to do. But I And on the ground
4: Praise the Lord. Uh, if you will, please uh, stand up on your feet and we honor God for these next few minutes. He's going to give us. You may bow down your head if you will, please. Uh, dear Holy Spirit, we kindly welcome you to be part of our assembly today for surely nothing that can cause change and transformation in our lives other than the presence and your Holy Spirit enabling this. Speak through me to your people the word you've purposed for them to hear and let it bring such sense and transformation that you will to bring to us in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may get seated. Uh I am profoundly honored this morning to to be back to this church. I am greatly thankful to Pastor Tim and the whole team for giving me an opportunity. This is my second time to stand before you to share the word of God and I don't take this lightly, but I respect it and take it in high esteem. Before I may forget, I want to thank once again Pastor Tim and, of course, Mr. and Mrs. Randy for the generosity they have been to our ministry back home. We have increased now to 32 children at our orphanage. We've chosen to call it Hope Village because it's bringing hope in the whole community. God has called us to affect about four villages where Hope Village is. And we've chosen to sponsor, take children school and have those total orphans come and live with us at Hope Village. And this church and Mr. and Mrs. Randy have been really a big blessing. I must say I have not come across someone as generous as He is and in the season that we really best need that. The fact that I see all of you for the second time since 2019 is enough proof that the Lord is good to our lives. I'm excited to uh, I won't mention names but I'm familiar to Miss Masha. She's incredibly very good. <laughs> she has a pure heart. I will I'll, I'll tell you she has a, a pure heart. Even when she wants to do something she doesn't want you, you to know she's doing it. That is how pure her heart is. She's been part of those that have really blessed us, especially in the COVID season when everything was out of order. So, I bring my greetings to to you from my family. I've been married over four years and I have three children two boys and a girl in the middle. So, that shows you how busy I am. (laughs) Anyway, my wife sends greetings. Her name is Rebecca. And my church sends greetings. I pastor a church close to Kampala that's called Grace Pentecostal Church and manage a children's ministry, a home that is about two hours down in the country from Kampala. And I'm really excited for what God has done in the past few years. Matter of fact, we've been able to build up three homes for the children to stay, not yet fully complete, about 70% complete. But we thank God we are able to sleep in those. Before I begin, I want to give just a few insights of what the Spirit has given me over time. Once in a while, the Lord chooses to speak his voice through me to his people And in the past few months, he's been speaking to me about the next revival this world is going to see. And he says that it's the biggest revival. Away from the Azusa Street revivals, this is going to be the mega revival that is going to bring in his church. The only perspective that the Lord has given me, I've not seen other people speak about, is that this revival is not going to be outside the walls of the church, but rather inside the walls of the church. And he says that the church is going to regain its identity, power, and authority and i am looking forward for such a revival from the 30 AD to around 315 AD we see the apostolic church which was a separate entity from all the other entities from the government church was independent of the state and then from 315, 350 AD to 1700 we see church now equal to the state. You remember from Constantine the Great, he was the greatest emperor of the Roman Empire I am talking about the times when the Roman Empire literally ruled over the whole world. It achieved that status by Constantine, and Constantine reaches that status because he basically Christianized all pagan beliefs into the state. In other words, we had a marriage between the church and the state and the government. They worked together, so the church was equal to the state. Well, historians say they are not sure whether he was truly converted, but they mention that he was baptized on his deathbed. But he used Christianity as a tool of influence, getting people together under one belief so he may administer his rule that way through Christianity. And from that time until somewhere at the end of 1700, church was equal to the state, but from that time, to date, we see that there is a shift happening when the state is now overtaking over the church. That literally means that the church is no longer equal to the state and no longer a separate entity a separate, independent entity. Well, there is a saying that he who pays the piper calls the tune. The state or the government or powers that be call the tune to the charge, And when they threaten to withdraw your five or something number, where you are tax exempted, the whole church will be trembling because of that. So the state has taken priestess from the church and I believe that church is getting more worse and will be more persecuted in the next few years we are going to face. But I have good news that it is under that persecution that church grows most and very strong. And I believe it is within these years of persecution that God is bringing such a great revival the world has never seen. He's going to be separating his sheep from the goats, if I may say. And I believe it is after that revival that we will have the Lord come back and take his church because then after that, he has separated the church fully from the state, from the marriage that we have, from all our compromises as a church we have gone into with so many standards of the world. But God is faithful because in such times, he sends his spirit on every flesh. And those that are willing to submit under that authority of the Holy Spirit are going to be separated. So we are going to see people moving out of the church but we're also going to see people remaining in the church becoming very strong and very powerful, manifesting in such greater dimensions of the power of God. And that revival is going to call upon those that have moved out of the church to come back, but the world will continue to fight, to pull some towards themselves, so not all of them are going to come back. But those that are going to come back are glad that those are going to be the times that Jesus is coming back, the trumpet blowing, and we will be taken away in glory with him. My prayer is that you become one of those people that will not have to work for their righteousness because after rapture, righteousness will be worked for. You will have to work for your righteousness. We are now under the dispensation of grace, of course, opened up by the coming of Jesus Christ, but there is going to be an end to the dispensation of grace. And the end to the dispensation of grace ends with the rapture, and then the beginning to, when you have to work for your righteousness and holiness, then that begins, and that will be the beginning of tribulation. From that perspective, you clearly know that I am a pre-tribulation rapture other than the post-tribulation rapture, because I don't believe such a loving God can let you go through all that Kind of suffering to be able to take you up. He's already saved you and He loves you. He, he has already redeemed you. I am excited to bring to you a very sensitive subject that the Lord has been dealing with me over a couple of months, and it's called 3D. Worship, three-dimensional worship. I had an opportunity in the year 2016 to attend one of my very first real 3D movie. I don't remember what the name of the movie was, but I can remember these two scenes from that movie. These guys were going through the jungle, and all of a sudden ran into a snake, so the snake attempts to uh, bite this guy almost in the face. And to me, in the 3D movie, it looked like it was biting right in my face. <laughs> and I screamed. <laughs> and people were looking at me because that was my first experience of a 3D movie. The second scene I remember is that the guys had to fall into water, so water was splashing. And I don't know how they did that, but they got a little water splash real time on us. (laughs) The third scene I remember is that the guy was on top of the tree and the branch was breaking. (laughs) And then when it did, our benches, we were seated on, they also inclined, they were like breaking a little bit. I was what am I doing? <laughs> but what I learned from that 3D movie is that it felt so real. It was like I was part of that movie. And that's where I get the inspiration of the three-dimensional worship that when we go before the throne of God, it's not supposed to be faked, but you need to feel it is real. You are in the presence of God. Why 3D worship? For so many reasons. Number three, prophetically Means one harmony, it also means a new beginning, and it also means completeness. I will borrow both of those three words with their meanings as they come with the prophetic number three your worship has to be in harmony. has to complete you and has to bring a new beginning in your life. This subject worship is widely taught by in my perspective, it is not taught the right way I think it should be taught. You will believe with me that we live in a three-dimensional world. Everything you see is in three dimensions. You are able to see the full me because of your 3D dimension. When you go in 3D movies, they will give you the 3D glasses. And simply what those do, one part of that glass will give you the vertical polarization and the other part of the glass will give you the horizontal polarization. And when those combine at the back of your eyes, they bring about a 3D perspective and that's why you are able to see clearly images and feel them real because they are in 3D dimension. And when God begins to create this world, he inclines it also in a three-dimensional perspective, taking in mind that God is a triune being, the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And since we are created in his own image, we adopt the same 3D personality as his, the body, the soul, and the spirit. And when you fall through all the scriptures, you see God tending to do things in threes. I can give you so many numerous examples, but of course, three times four is 12. No wonder why he had, 12 of disciples, not 24, not 16, not wherever. When he zeroes down to his disciples, he had an inner circle of John, Peter, and James, and those are three. The most effective learning system in the whole world is the Jewish learning system, which they call the hafruta. And *afruta* means learning in a discussion of threes. We see that in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Message, and Abednego. I am speaking that because I want to show you how we are created that way and supposed to function Close to a 3D dimension. In 2nd Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking of himself. He says, I know a man 14 years ago who went to the third heaven. As complicated and simple that may seem, it reflects that there is probably a first heaven and a second heaven if there is something like a third heaven. So Paul is telling us 14 years ago, he's talking about himself under that scripture, how whether in the physical or in the spirit had access to the third heaven. The world is a layered or is organized in a dimensional way and we therefore function or our authority functions at different dimensions. There are things that you don't need to pray for to receive because you only need to do them to be able to receive them. I mean, you are not going to pray that your dishes be washed. You only need to get to the kitchen and wash your utensils. But there are issues that even when you apply your muscular energy and authority, those cannot go away. Ephesians chapter six. You can read the whole chapter, but you can go to twelve. It brings to our attention that there is a there are layers of power. The first layer of power, or the first dimension of power, is what we physically occupy. There are things that you can physically move without any help of a word of prayer. Because you are in a dimension that needs just your physical touch or presence for things to to go on. But there is also a a dimension that operates with our emotions and feelings. You can mention just a few depression, anxiety, and so on. Those will find you anywhere you go, no matter your size or your height or the money you have. Because then your physical currency cannot purchase your freedom in that second kind of dimension or layer of authority or power. But there is also a third dimension of power, and that is where your spirituality operates, and that is of your. Spirit, such a kind cannot go, according to Ephesians 6, except we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. He's actually trying to appeal to us that now where this problem is, is beyond your physical dimension. You have to tune into your spiritual dimension and fight from there. We have a couple of alligators, crocodiles. You can literally fight a crocodile on ground but when it manages to get you in the waters it is pushing you to its battlefield its dimension where it can fight you you can literally fight an ego when it's on ground but when it gets you in the air that's its dimension it will take you way above high so many meters in the sky and by the time you land on ground, your spirit has reached heaven. <laughs> we have different layers and dimensions of power we are old to operate in. I'm going to focus more on the spiritual their mission from the perspective that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood but with principalities and spirits however spiritual you are daniel was but his prayer in daniel chapter 10 the angel says were held up by principalities they were never answered to him. In fact, God had them released. the answered, but Daniel was not able to receive it because the rulers of that region or territory held them captive and it took an angel of God to come and wrestle with them in order for Daniel's petition to be released back to him. Every habit and every discipline has a spirit behind it. The problem is that we don't come to the full realization that we live in all those three kinds of dimensions. For this particular case, I would say body, soul, and the spirit. So we want to fight every battle in our physical dimension, and no wonder why we fail, because not all of those are fought by our physical energy and masculine and the visible dimension of life. But I know one way how you can access your spiritual dimension, your spirituality. So many years ago, I don't know if I can get his name right, but he's, he was a great philosopher and scientist. No, no, some sort of that, you know him. He made predictions so many years ago. I'm not talking about a hundred years, over a hundred years ago. He made predictions. And most of the predictions he made have been fulfilled so many years after his, his death. Now, I warn you, he was not a Christian But the only thing he knew, in fact, he says that spirituality is of man. And into your spiritual being, you have access to an invisible realm. Two things, how we can access our spirituality and eventually identity in Christ. Because God does not look the way you look, but he looks exactly how your spirit looks like because we were created in the image of his spirit. You look the way you look because that is how your mom and daddy looks like. Matter of fact, people say you look like your dad or you look like your mom. Usually people say back home that my nose is that of my dad. I look like... Him just because we reproduce after our own kind. That you agree with me. So if God is a spirit, then he can't reproduce after something, not after his own kind. He's not flesh. So we carry a DNA of the spirit of Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 4 and verses 24, he says that God is a spirit. He brings it back to us. And they that worship him must worship him in what? While in the spirit and in truth. While in the spirit and in the truth. At one time, he confronts the Pharisees, and he tells them, you honor me with your words, but your heart's spirit, in that sense, are far away from me, and that's why he did not accept their worship. Genesis chapter 4 brings to our attention two brothers, Cain and Abel. It was time to offer into the house of God. Now I need you to understand that offertory or tithing is part of worship. That is how people worship God or worshipped God in the Old Testament. It was time to worship God and every one of those two brothers had to pick A tithe from all they had and offering to go and offer to God. And one of them happened not to acknowledge and honor God the way he should have. And the other brother, Abbe, decided that I am going to honor God for all the things I have and acknowledge that he is the source of my life, so I am willing to give up the best that I have. The Bible says that his offering or worship, in that sense, was accepted by God. But the brothers was not accepted. That brings to our attention that there is something like acceptable worship by God and none acceptable worship by God. The question is, is your worship acceptable before God or non-acceptable? Is your sacrifice acceptable before God or not acceptable? I'll take you to the second group still in the Old Testament, now we are running away from chapter 4, we are in chapter 5, we, God is just showing us the chronological background, the family. And then in chapter 6 and 7 and 8, he brings to our attention that people no longer worshiped truly. God, by that time, and there was only one man, that's Noah and his family, that whose worship was accepted by God. And only by him and his family, the Lord had purposed to destroy mankind from the face of the earth. But because of the righteousness of one man and his family, mankind had redemption at that time. My point is that it doesn't take so many people who know how to worship God to save the next generation. It might take only your house or your church or your community To save what the next generation or form what the next generation would look like. But the whole point is about do you know how to worship God in spirit and in truth. Genesis chapter 8 and verses 20 after the floods and it was time for the boat to come down and life continue, the first thing Noah does was to acknowledge and honor God for the salvation he brought to him and his family and all the animals as he ordered him. The first thing he does when he got out of that ark is to create an altar and sacrifice now not that is worship God. And the Bible says that verses 21 when God smelled that honor from Noah he vowed to himself that he will not At any time, not even in this generation, to destroy the face of the earth using floods. What is touching and tickling the mind of God was the smell of the worship of this person Noah that he gave up to God. And my point is that in the next persecution of the systems and the culture, the Christian culture of America and the culture of America has been put on tenterhooks. It is dying. It's being destroyed. For those of you that are above 40 years, you are able to tell the difference in the deterioration of the culture to an extent that people are confused of what their identity looks like. That sounds to be insane. But I'll tell you one thing. That we blame all the time that on government. But that is government. That's all it does. It, the government's understand we will do anything that appeases people to win their favor. But the problem is that. Church is slumbering. It is a sleeping giant. We no longer operate in that dimension of power we used to. I mean, most of the churches, not all the churches. Before someone will lay hands on you and pray, the first thing he does to Recommend you to a good doctor he knows about. And then later on he remembers that somewhere in the Bible it says you shall lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. They don't do that in faith, but they do that because it was done back then. My point is that church then of the apostles and church now is the same because it is all or all rotates around the grace and the grace is simply the person of Jesus Christ. So the power they manifested in 2,000 years ago We ought to manifest in that same dimension of power. But we need to know what they did that we are not doing now. And that is true worship. Because when you truly worship God in your spirit, He can't contain Himself up there, His presence. Will come down. Matter of fact, the Bible says when his, when our praise praises go high, his praises come down. The only difference between our church and the other church is about the presence of God. And one way how you can access the presence of God and getting down is when you worship him in truth and in the spirit. When he smells the fragrance and the aroma of your worship, he can't contain himself not coming down to you. We have a story told back in my country of an alien that got stuck on somebody's body, back. It got its nails and fingers inside and it could never leave him. They tried all means of witchcraft and sorcery to get this kind of creature or alien go off the body of this man, and it failed. So what they did is that they built up a fire there, killed an animal, and smoked it. The story says that when it had the aroma out of that grill, barbecue, it jumped off his body to go and eat the meat. That is how gold sometime is. He won't come down before he smells that honor you have for him. The problem is that we are preoccupied by the resources and the means other than the source. We are preoccupied by our work and so many responsibilities and we forget who the source of all those is. The word worship comes from an old English word called worthship. That implies that, that you give much worth to you. Worship. In these generations, we have people attending church but not worshiping God because they have not put such a worth on him. Because that you have most worth for. You come to worship, whether directly or indirectly. There cannot be something like worship without honor or acknowledgement. We need to get to that position when we acknowledge that it is all by, for God. When we don't do that, don't honor, don't acknowledge, then... We are not worshiping God. Every person, every human being is a worshiper. Every human being, whether born again, not born again, whether Catholic or uh, atheist or Methodist or wherever, all of them are worshippers. The question who do they worship? Because mankind cannot live without worship. Never has mankind lived without worship. And here is a reason because we believe and we know there is a being that is beyond our physical being. And that being, in my view, is the God from whom all of us have our identity. From whom all of us are created. I remember when Moses went up above the mountain to Received the commandments from God and the children of Israel could not stand known to worship. So they got necklaces and jewelry from each one of them. And the Bible says they told to each other, let us make a God so we may worship him. It's amazing how they do that because they say, let us now Tell to ourselves that this is the God that brought us from Egypt. Matter of fact, the reason why Moses rescues the children of Israel from that 430-year captivity is because he wanted them to worship him. If you doubt me, you go to Exodus chapter 8. It says, go and tell, fellow, to let my people go so, what? They may worship me. The highest calling of every human being is to worship. Matter of fact, the reason why they are in captivity is because they refused disobeyed God that's the reason in the first place why they're in captivity Genesis chapter 15 and you can read from 6 then go down to 15 God brings a prophecy to Abraham now and he tells him your people are going to go into captivity in a foreign Land. But he says, for as for you, Abraham, you will not go there. And the reason why Abraham is not going there is because he knew how to worship God. That's the only reason. You can find that from verses 6 of the same chapter 15 of Genesis. It says, and it was counted on him, obedience, and his trusty, worthy and honor, and acknowledgement of God as righteousness. And that's why God pledges down in verses 15 that, and I'm going to add this on you. You are going to die at a ripe age and a wealthy man because he knew how to worship God. That you give more worth, and worth means in terms of time and money and thinking, thought, that you take in high esteem, you worship. I like the Greek word for worship, it's called proskaneo, or proskuneo, and that means to prostrate to obey, to submit. No wonder the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. In fact, he says, before you worship me, before you come to my altar, you have to be obedient first. But here is the point. Obedience should not only be done, but should also be seen to be done. Worship is not only done, but has got to be seen being done. Because God is not only concerned by our worship, but is also concerned by how we worship. How we worship Him. 2 Samuel chapter 6 brings us the notion of the Ark of the Covenant. You all know what the Ark of the Covenant symbolized. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God. When you had the Ark of the Covenant, you had the presence of God, and normally the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle dwelled in the Holy of the Holies. Now, not everyone accessed the Holy of the Holies. In fact, they had to get a rope on your foot every time they wanted to pull and see if you were still alive because if you went there, not worthy, you were killed. We serve a gracious God, but the other side of God is a no-nonsense God. They are on their way back bringing the Ark of the Covenant and a guy by the name of Houser who was not part of those consecrated to carry the covenant, he has right reasons because this guy slipped and the covenant was going to fall down. So it is a good reason that you stretch out your hand and pick it, which he did. But he was not supposed to do that, not part of those Consecrated to do that, and God killed him there and then. So, God is not concerned only with our worship, but also with the process or by how we worship Him. The last time I looked on the word holy, it actually means oneness. God is called holy because him, the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit are one. That's why he's called holy. And he desires that we go to him in worship when we are holy. When your body and your mind and your spirit are one. And that is my assignment, is to challenge you to gather up your body and your spirit and your soul to be one. Because God communicates to your spirit, but that communication has to be translated to the other dimensions of your body. That is the soul and the body. Your body is a reflection of what is inside of you. That's why King Solomon says that your body is exactly that that is filled in your heart. You say what is the fullness of your heart. He brings up an idea that your body and your soul and your spirit have to work together in this process of worshiping God. I heard my brother say that the best way how to sell a a watermelon is to cut a piece of one of it and people see you eating it. Is that right? And the best way I've seen the best method of evangelism is actually you becoming the good news to the people. people get more saved by your character than what you tell them. But your character gets to grow when the word of God, the true word of God, is able to be translated from the spirit to the body because that's how we get to know the fruit of what is in your spirit and every person is attracted by the flute there are so many souls out there that will be attracted by the flute on your life and that is your character but the building of the character begins In the spirit. But the way you access the spirit is by true worship. And the end result is that you are transformed the Bible says Romans twelve by the renewal of your mind. Be ye not transformed by the Standards of the world, but by the renewal of your mind. Your soul is your mind, your feelings, your emotions, and your intellect. The word has ought to go from your spirit to your soul, then bear on your outside the person enabling the growth of the flute in your life and thus character on you is the Holy Spirit the Bible says that our bodies are a temple of He seats in us The only way how we get to invite him come and sit in us and do a work in our lives is when we master how to worship him and truly worship him. In fact, I'm reminded the reason why God puts Adam to name all the animals, the first reason was not for Adam to give them names. That's not the first mind of God upon Adam. That's Genesis chapter 2 and verses 18. The reason why he let him see all the things that he created because he wanted Adam to see all of those magnificent, beautiful, wonderful things He created, and from that, Adam sprouts out into worship of the greatness of God who creates those things. The number one purpose was not for him to be able to name all those, but to be to the acknowledgement of the person that created them. I want to challenge you this morning as the spirit searches your heart that you will come to that realization and point in your life where you can truly worship him. One day, sometime, I believe that it will be kind of a risking thing to come to church. We've already tested it two years ago. But the question is, will you still worship God even when you are not able to come to church? The point I put across is that worship is a personal thing. It can be a corporate thing when the different personal worships are bound together, but it is first a personal thing. Every house of a believer becoming an outer of worship where God can come down and reveal his mysteries to you. We no longer have the personal family outers in our families. And that way our children have been attracted to the culture that is outside the family because they have no Alternative. They have no option. <clears throat> when is the last time you get to get together in your homes? Probably every evening when everybody is back and say, you know what? Let's join up hands and pray and worship God and honor him. Every person is like his own room. You can't even know whether he's moved out or not because everyone is minding his own business. We need to come together again as churches in our families that have known how to worship God that's the only way how you're going to be saved and it is when we get our aroma and fragrance of worship back to God that we attract him to come down and when he comes down you know what can happen you saw that on the day of Pentecost Peter was as weak as me. But when the spirit came upon him, the first crusade, 3,000 got saved. We need to tap into that power. But that power comes in the oneness of your body, your soul, as, as God is one, the father, the son, and spirit. You can't say one thing and do something different. That is hypocrisy. I am calling upon you, especially our mamas and our papas, because we have the
2: obligation
4: of making the next generation and discipling the next generation and discipling our children. We have so many powerful men of God but failed fathers. So many powerful women of God but failed mothers. We need to get back to our positions. Because his church and love is manifested more in the family before it is in our ministries. Probably that's why he gives up a metaphor of a family and a church how it's supposed to look like. And I strongly believe inside of me that when we do that, no doubt we are going to be a separated generation. We are going to be spared from what is about to come. I, I am not American but I will tell you I'm a conservative Republican if I was an American anyway. And I hoped that thank God we have the house I hope that we have the Senate too to be able to get certain things reversed. But I'm reminded that even when that's what I desire, the Bible has given already a roadmap of how it's going to be. We desire it becomes better. But according to the scriptures, that's, a, that's the roadmap. That's how it's going to be. The question is, what can you do? I understood that the closer, the proximity you get to Jesus, the more you get to know him and therefore, the more you get to look like him because now you've seen him. The closest you become to someone, the more you know him and the more you know him the deeper you can worship that person and the deeper you can worship that person, the more you transform into his image. A lot of times when great people are called upon to give a speech, they praise their mamas more than the papas. I thank my mother, I thank my mother and I was asking myself why? The question is, it's because she's the person they get to spend more time with. And because they spend more time with their mamas, so they know more about their mamas, so they have much to say about their mamas. If it was worship, they have much to worship about their mamas because the deeper you go into the knowledge of God, The closest you become to him and the deeper you can worship him. I will tell you that. When God comes to that Samaritan woman, verses 20, 19, 20, she said, no, I know you are talking about, but this is not a Gentile thing. It is a Jewish thing. And what did Jesus say? He said that the time has come. Regardless of where you are and who you are, what size you are or what color you are, that time has come and I believe this is the time for us to truly worship God. But our worship for God is influenced by how deeper we know him. I'm sure when you ask the other disciples, I may name Matthew or Thomas, how deeper they knew Jesus, they have a different story than John, James, and Peter. And the reason is that Peter, John, and James were closer to Jesus, than the other disciples. So they have an intimate picture and discussion about him. So the more you worship, the more you become intimate with God. And the more you become intimate with him, the more he transfers himself into you. That happened on Moses. The more intimate he became and the more closer he became to Jesus, the more he glowed of his glory. You remember when he came back out of that mountain? After meeting Jesus, the Bible says his face was glory. Full of God's glory. I believe that we can still manifest the same glory of Jesus to the world as that that was on Moses. There are two ladies. One is Mary, the sister to Lazarus. And there is another lady recorded in the book of Matthew or Luke 6. According to Judas, because he was carrying the bag He was concerned about the money on the team of Jesus. He said, but why did she waste all those perfumes, expensive perfumes on you? But the end of both of the scriptures say they were accepted by Jesus because to him that kind of intimate worship was acceptable by God. And that's what I pray on each one of you. Here's the thing about God. He's in every place. He's omnipresent. The scripture says so. He's here just right now, but not all of us will feel him the same way. You know the reason? The reason is about frequency, tuned in a different frequency. You know, we have a radio here, 90.1, it's just here. You only need to tune to that frequency of that radio to be able to listen to that radio, but it's already here. When you get your phone and tune to that frequency, FM, frequent modulation, and you are able to listen to that radio, you Can't listen to it just now even when the frequency is here now just because you are in a wrong frequency. And my task is to tune you in the right frequency where you can worship and hear God. The only way how we can worship him is to stay abiding on him, John chapter 15. He says he's the vine and we are the branches. When we stay attached to him and him in us, what happens next? We will bear fruits. In fact, he says that he prunes off of us when you are. Abiding with him, he will prune all kind of discipline and addiction and worry when you stay attached on him. Worship. The only way how we access our third dimension is through two things. Through worship and through our faith. But you can't have faith without hope. So you have hope, then you have faith. By faith, you can access that third dimension, or by worship. Praise is just an outward expression of, or gratitude of, what God has done for you. But worship is actually breaking the windows of the experts to be able to access where God sits. My challenge to you is that we need to get his presence stick in our houses and our lives. Once again, I guess that's my time. The problem when you give a black man a microphone, he will preach forever. (laughs) So you let me know. (laughs) when it is time. Is it time? <laughs> All right, I appreciate <laughs> It is told that when you have a short wife, you need to put your gun up high. Not because she won't reach it, but because at least you will hear her pull a chair to reach it. So, you give a black man a microphone, he preaches forever. Thank you.
0: God spoke already. I don't need to add anything to this. What God has said search your own heart. We've been knowing the churches are having a battle in America. Why? We've quit worshiping God. We've backed away. We don't strive to have the Spirit of God in what we're doing. Whatever God tells you to do, you know, you can can come and sing a simple song. If God told you to sing that song, God will use that song. But it isn't about who's got the best voice or who does the most loudest praise. It's when you worship him from your heart. It's when your heart is crying out to him. He hears what your heart is saying, and he's pleased inside. We need to get back to where we please God. Not the world, not the church, not the ways of the church not the compromises. God needs to clear the slate with what the world and the church is doing. You see it. I don't have to tell you it's there. You come if you need to pray.
2: I saw the Lord Seated on His close.
0: Of your Christian life God is desiring that we get into his holy word and get his holy word into us he's trying to work on us and he's moving right now he's moving in this day and hour we keep crying out God do something with our country do something let the gospel come up like it did years ago when God moves we need to react to it and we need to step into it and open our hearts and let God work I thank you for your patience today